Okay, good morning. And uh, I can see there's a one listener. I appreciate it. And uh, let us give uh, give everybody else uh, probably three more minutes and I'll get started. Thank you. Okay, again, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm going to wait two more minutes before I get started. And uh, because I'm so bad with this technology thing, I'm going to invite uh, uh, some of you to be the speaker. And uh, just in case I missed uh, anyone who tried, want to uh, talk about the topic as well. So I'm going to invite L as a speaker. I have never tried that. Hopefully it will work. Okay, let's give it two more minutes to other folks to join. Thank you. Okay, let's get started. Uh, good, morning, good morning again. Uh, today is uh, June the 5th. And uh, today's uh, episode is uh, titled Inside Amy Wax, a White Privilege Denier. Uh, in the last episode, I relied on a Harvard professor Lawrence Tribe's take on the US Supreme Court. Uh, uh, Professor Lawrence Tribes is a very distinguished legal scholar. And uh, Amy Wax, uh, today's subject, is also, a, uh, I would say, a very distinguished uh, law professor. I will use that word, even though I think she's a racist. The uh, last time when I relied on uh, Lawrence Tribes' take on the U.S. Supreme Court, basically, Professor Tribes says, the U.S. Supreme Court has a history of uh, protecting the powerful. And, uh, and, uh, as, uh, you know, this, the title of this show is called, uh, The People's History of American Jurisprudence. Jurisprudence is a big word. It means science or philosophy 
of law. Professor Tribe's take on the American jurisprudence is this: based on his research of all the history of the United States courts, he found no coherence under the Constitution among many, many U.S. Supreme Court decisions. The word "no coherence" means that there's no scientific standards. In the decisions that our U.S. Supreme Court has made, has made in the past, especially when it comes to the racial minorities. So, in today's topic, I want to talk about Amy Wax. Amy Wax shares the same intellectual credentials as Lawrence Tribes, and、uh, we're going to go inside Amy Wax by examining you know, a typical white elite. Thoughts on non-whites, namely blacks and Asians. Amy Wax is a currently a professor of law, University of Pennsylvania Law School. As an assistant to the Solicitor General of the Office of the Solicitor General in the U.S. Department of Justice, in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Wax argued 15 cases before the、U、United States Supreme Court. So, just like、uh, Professor Lawrence Tribes, she not only has has a law degree, she practiced law. She worked in the DOJ in Washington D.C. and she argued 15 cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. Amy Wax has an impeccable education. She got an N.D. medical degree. Uh, Colonde,、uh, meaning with an、uh, excellent、uh, grade, with distinction in neuroscience from Harvard Medical School, and then she became the first-year law student in Harvard Law School, and then afterwards she transferred to Columbia Law School, where she obtained her Juris Doctor degree. And、uh, she published a book in 2009.、Uh, the title of the book is called "Race, Wrongs, and the Remedies: Group Justice in the 21st Century." And、uh, I have listed.、Uh, there's no need to buy her book because、uh, I borrowed it from the local library. And even though this book is published,、uh, say, 13 years ago, uh, 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 from this library copy, I can tell that very few people actually. Uh, 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 read that book, and for you know probably a good reason. What caught my attention is、uh, what、uh, Amy Wax was、uh, popping up recently in 2022 this year, 13 years after she published the book. She has talked a great deal about this uh, 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 narratives uh, in line with this、uh, great replacement theory. So basically, she has said, you know, blacks is just being are、uh, being jealous of the whites, and、uh, there are too many Asians in this country, and、uh, yada yada yada. So she, you know, that's how I, you know, kind of want to pay attention to her. Who is this person? And、uh, she's because she's a law professor at the Ivy League Law School, right? So that's how I get a hold of his her book, and、uh, so. So today I'm just going to、uh, talk about her 
with few other things. So today's uh, episode is no breakdown by a segment called the introduction. And then the second segment, I'm going to talk about segment one, I'm going to talk about uh, her book, Amy Wax's book. Basically, her book is called The Race, Wrongs, and the Remedies. And uh, the next segment, I'm going to talk about my counter arguments to this uh, Amy Wax's book, uh, dating 2009. And then I'm going to talk about uh, Amy Wax's recent rent. They are highly, highly racist. This is in 2022. I think she showed up in the Tucker Carlson show. And I think he also uh, showed up in one of the YouTube channel hosted by a very famous African-American scholar. Uh, I forgot uh, his name, but uh, it's out there. You, if you Google Amy Wax, you will see uh, a lot of her uh, comments. And then I'm going to conclude after, after, after that. So basically, I'm going to go over her book. And then I'm going to counter her book with my arguments. And then I'm going to counter her racist rants in 2022 with my arguments. Okay. So judicial white privileges, these, are, I'm, these people are judges. These people decide your case when you have to bring a case to the court, being you a, a criminal defendant or a plaintiff. Okay. These are individuals with exceptionally high intellect, high IQs, and very, very highly qualified legal education. They possess the best knowledge and skills to trick you to believe that there's no such thing called white privilege. The fact is that the founding fathers have their own racist thoughts about non-white people. So it should not come as a surprise that uh, we today, even today, we will see people with a high intellects who has a very, very good educations who will still deny white privilege despite historic records of the founding fathers. And uh, these people are in the high intellectual places, such as they, they, they are the judges on the bench. They are the professors teaching at school. They are trying to rewrite the history. And, you know, I must correct those uh, erroneous uh, 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 educational remarks by these people. There's a, a quite popular uh, professor from Canada by the name of a Jordan Peterson. Uh, Amy Wax and Jordan Peterson are two individuals with the highest possible intellect that are denied are denying white privilege, and they are they are getting a lot of uh, uh, clicks. Basically, if you look at the YouTube channel, just Google Jordan Peterson, J O R D A N P E T E R S O N, you will find uh, his video clips denying white privilege that are viewed by the millions. Okay. I'm going to quote uh, Peterson, uh, uh, Professor Peterson, uh, what he said about white privilege. He has a clip on YouTube. Uh, the title of the clip is called Jordan Peterson Debunks White Privilege. In that clip, Professor Peterson said this, the idea that you can target an ethnic group with a collective crime 
without a specific innocence or guilt of the constituent element of that group. There is absolutely nothing that's more racist than that. It's absolutely abhorrent. So Professor Peterson is saying, the fact that you're going to talk about white privilege itself is a racist thing. Well, guess what? He is uh, saying you cannot just say a group of people have committed a collective crime. But I'll tell you who said that. Donald Trump. Donald Trump has said Mexicans are murderers and rapists without alleging a specific innocence or guilt of a Mexican person of actually doing that. Right? Donald Trump also said about the, uh, some, said something about Chinese. Donald Trump called the Chinese economic rapist, meaning he's saying the Chinese are stealing America's wealth. That's again, is accusing an entire group of committing a collective crime without a specific innocence or guilt of that constituents element of that group. So if this Peterson is correct, then Donald Trump is truly a racist. So now let's come to the Amy Wax, another professor. And this is what she said recently. Quote, I think there is just a tremendous amount of a resentment and shame of a non-Western peoples against Western peoples for Western peoples' outsized achievements and the contributions. I mean, it's really unbearable. Leaving aside American blacks, who I think do feel that resentment and shame and envy, I mean, it is this whole unholy brew of sentiments. That's what, end quote. This is what Amy Wax said. I think it's on Tucker Carlson's show. And she also said, that's exactly what, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry. So uh, I apologize. I, I was a little bit uh, sidetracked here. She also said that America will be better off with the fewer Asians. And uh, again, like you uh, mentioned earlier, if you Google Amy Wax on YouTube, on Google, you will find a lot of uh, 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 comments she made recently. So to counter what Amy Wax is saying, I will say the same thing is that a genocide of the Native Americans and the slavery considered outsized achievements. Because after, after all, it's the Western peoples who did this achievement called the genocide of Native Americans and slavery. Okay, or should they be called a collective crime by a white majoritarian government? you know, based on what the Professor Peterson's line of thinking is, right? So that, in a nutshell, is the introduction I want to uh, talk about. Why Amy Wax got my attention. So now I'm going to go to the first segment. Amy Wax's thoughts on race, wrongs, and remedies. Uh, I am just going to quickly read through the title of her chapters in her 2009 book, where she, and I have to give her some credit, saying she, by saying that she actually did want to comment on the uh, 
on this matter of a racial oppression and what's the remedy for that racial oppression. Okay, so the uh, the chapter uh, she started with introduction in her book, and the chapter one, the title is the remedial ideal and the demand for racial justice. Chapter two, group disadvantages and the case of race. Chapter three, racial disparities and the human capital deficits. Number chapter four, the psychology of a victimization. Chapter five, is a self-help possible? A question, this is a question for the black communities. Chapter six, reparations, affirmative actions, and the relationship of a race and class. That's quickly the title of her uh, uh, book. So I'm just going to summarize what she said in each uh, chapter of her book. Amy Wax, again, remember, she is a Harvard-educated medical doctor and uh, also a Columbia Law School-educated uh, uh, lawyer, practiced law in the U.S. government, federal government, argued cases in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, and teaches law in University of Pennsylvania. So this book, in this book, she tried to legally analyze what to do about the racial disparities and the racial oppressions, okay? So in the introduction, she basically said, legally speaking, an injured person, in this case, victims of racial oppression, is also responsible for her or his recovery. Therefore, victim blaming is okay, meaning you can blame the victim if the victim did not do his or her part to recover from the past wrongs. In her chapter one, she talked about cause of action. Cause of action is a legal term. Cause of action means what happened. You have to tell the court what happened. That's your cause of action so that the court can give you a remedy based on the law and the cause of action. So in chapter one, Amy Wax basically said, the black people's bad behavior and the low achievement can be traced to Africa, the ancestral land of the African-Americans. And, the, and also they are traceable to the black community in America. And she also said, using an example, called the, the parable of the pedestrian. Parable spells P-A-R-A-B-L-E. It means a, a biblical story, a story with a, a great importance. She used the parable of the pedestrian to say that what whites did to the blacks in this country, in America, is like a, a car accident, a car accident. Okay, so in uh, moving on, in chapter two of her book, she basically said legal remedies must be realistic. They cannot be idealistic. Realistic means that you have to consider whether the black people can, you know, can be responsible for themselves. Can they help themselves? 
And uh, basically, in chapter two, she said, all the remedies offered to the black people had enough, quote, brick walls, unquote, and, quote, hard struggles, unquote, within the black communities. communities. Therefore, no more remedies is not going to help the black community. Okay. And chapter three, legally speaking, she said, the black, quote, deficits, end quote, in human capital today goes back to the black communities. So legally speaking, the traceability of this racial disparity existing today goes right back to the black communities. That includes the racial disparities in education, in employment, and in the family and the home environment. In the chapter four, Amy Wax said, blacks are in the permanent state of a victimization. So legally speaking, there's no such thing as called a permanently in being injured party. Okay, it's called, basically she's blaming that the blacks people, black people are just keep on thinking they are victims. They don't do anything to improve themselves. Chapter five, Amy Wax said, with this permanent psychology of a victimization, the blacks will never help themselves. Whatever legal remedies the government is going to offer or continue to offer. So therefore, she concludes as this. This is her remedy for all the racial wrongs that happened in America. One, separate liabilities and remedies. Stop relying on the outsiders and the government. She's telling the black community, stop relying on outsiders. Rely on yourself. Stop relying on the government. Number two, she said, accept that injustice may not be achievable. Meaning that you want racial justice, you have to recognize that the justice is not achievable. Forget about it. Move on. Number three, avoid the trap of a sociological thinking. You know, basically she said, we have to think about these racial oppressions in the legal term. Don't talk it about in a cultural term, social term, sociological term. But by the way, these are all her words, not my not, not mine. Number four, shift the focus from structure to culture. Basically, she's saying, folks who advocate for racial justice, don't look at the structure of our government. Look at the culture of your own community. Okay? You know, basically, she's saying the black people today are culturally suffering from their own deficits. Therefore, there's no legal wrongs. Number five, she said, change the rhetoric. She's telling the black communities and anyone who advocate racial justice, change the rhetoric. Number six, criticize failure and emulate success. And uh, number seven, resist open-ended demands for help. She's telling black people, stop asking for help. Stop asking open-ended help. Number eight, stop operating on two tracks. Number nine, resist double standard. Number 10, 
avoid dwelling on the past, meaning don't go back to the racial oppression history of America. And lastly, 11, thinking straight about blaming the victim. Thinking straight about blaming victim. Going back to her introduction of the book, basically blaming the victim is okay. And uh, in the last chapter, she just talked about the reparation and the affirmative action. As you can all imagine, her position based on everything she's said in the uh, in the previous chapters, she will say reparation and affirmative action did not work, will not work. And just don't ever think about it. All right. So that, in a nutshell, is what uh, my segment about Amy Wax's book published in 2009. So here's my counter-argument. This is my segment two. It's my counter-argument to Amy Wax's theory in her book. First, uh, I actually, it's not, uh, it's not numbered. Uh, it's just like a, my thought process. Okay, say so Amy Wax asks her readers to think legally, not sociologically, not culturally. So to that, I'm okay with it because my this show is about judicial white privilege. You know, I am taking a legal thinking to look at the racial oppression and what should be the remedy. Okay, so so what I'm going to say is actually mostly is along the legal line of thinking, not about culture line of thinking. First, cause of action. Amy Wax used this story of a pedestrian being hit by a car. She called this the parable of the pedestrian. That's on her, that's in her chapter one. This topic relates to in legal terms called the cause of action, right? The cause of action is important. In her book, she basically said the black, the black suffered from an accident. Not a crime. Blacks are really not a victim of a racial crime, but an injured person from a act out of a no particular ill will. There's no criminal intent by the white people when the blacks were being slaved. Okay, that is just does not make sense. Is slavery an accident? Is the genocide of Native Americans an accident? Probably not. I'm going to give you a you know, very good example. Malcolm X, he used to have a, ha- have a father. His father is a very good father by all accounts. When Malcolm X's father was killed by a streetcar, is that a crime or an accident? Did the Malcolm X's father kill himself? If so, then it must be an accident, right? He jumped in front of a streetcar. Or did the white supremacist group called the, the Black Legion kill him? That's a huge difference. That's where you're going to decide what's the cause of action. Determining the cause of action is the first and the foremost job of an impartial court a neutral court. Are the racial wrongs in America an accident or a collective crime? 
as Peter, uh, Peter Jordan said, uh, Jordan Peterson said. Because if it is a crime, if the racial oppression is a crime, a collective crime, then it's, then it's not an act of neglect. It's not an act of negligence. It's an act of a premeditation, right? It's like a murder. Accidentally kill someone while driving on the highway is an accident. But you intentionally run someone over, that's a crime. First. Second, Amy Wax has made an assumption that the, the car accident happened and they stopped, meaning the driver of that car that injured a pedestrian has stopped doing anything wrong about that pedestrian. But on the racial oppression side, uh, sorry, no one can say we no longer have a racial discrimination in this country against the racial minorities. In fact, the, the racial discrimination by the whites persists. They're just, you know, more hidden. They're not as overt as in the past. You know, if Malcolm X's father were living today, I don't think he will be that easily killed. Because, the, you know, the, 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 the white supremacist group are mostly in the hiding, you know, in the secret channel on the Internet. Right. So so the, the fact that this so-called parable of a pedestrian is the keynote, the keynote that Amy Wax wants you to believe that you must disbelieve because racial oppression is not a car accident. A car accident will stop after this accident happened. Racial oppression did not stop. Secondly, that this could also be a civil case. You know, even if Amy Wax were correct, which, you know, she clearly is not correct. The racial oppression can be a civil case as well. What I mean is this. Amy Wax used uh, uh, the behaviors by the, by, by the blacks in Africa during the pre-slavery time to support her victim blaming, meaning that the blacks are behaving this way back in Africa. Therefore, they are doing the same thing in America. Therefore, they are responsible for their own problem. But the thing is this, in a tort law, even the racial oppression is a civil case. Just imagine if a customer breaks a merchandise in a store, is that customer responsible for the item damaged? I would say yes. You know, if if the slave owners brought from Africa large number of slaves into America, and these slaves was mistreated, even this kind of mistreatment is not a crime. But even if this mistreatment is just a negligent the accident, I think the slave owner and all the most importantly the government. Remember, it's the U.S. government that supported slavery and the, and the genocide of Native Americans. The government still owed the responsibility to these non-Western people, right? So, so that what I want to talk about. This cause of action is important. And Amy Wax tried to 
attempted to mislead her readers that racial oppression is a purely accident. That's the key of her book. I think that is why not a lot of people read his her book. So, and next is that she said, she had mentioned this. What about, and I quote her here, the most profound question is whether the injury or deprivation is severe enough to nullify the very capacity for recovery. That's one of her, her second theory, meaning that if the injury to the black community is so severe that it's not possible for the black community to recover, then should we even bother to give the black communities any help? Should the government ever bother to give the government any help? She's saying there's no point to offer any remedies to the negative impacted racial minorities. Okay, that is uh, you know that that is important to remember. Basically, she's saying if uh, the remedy is not going to work, then why bother? And uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and. Uh, and she also have talked about whether a legal remedy for racial wrongs possible. Now, apparently, you know, she does not believe it's possible. I agree with her, but for a different reason. Because this show is about judicial white privilege, meaning how come the courts always started the racial oppression from the first slave? from the Plassey versus Ferguson, separate but equal, from all kinds of things. My, my observation is that it's true. Currently, there's no legal remedy available for the racially oppressed, whether it's historically or currently. The reason is because the court is a part of the machine of racial oppression. Okay, My reason is different from, uh, from Amy Wax. Amy Wax is saying, even if we offer remedies, even if the court offered a legal remedy for the racially oppressed people, such as black communities and all that, the communities themselves will not be able to recover. And therefore, don't, don't even bother. Okay. So, and then uh, Amy Wax talks a lot about the, 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 the Dysfunctional behavior, she, she called it, in the black community itself. She believed that's the root cause of the today's racial disparities. But my question will be, if that's the case, should the government fund some mental health counseling to the impacted members of the racial minorities to help them to behave better, right? In other words, if the kids in the African-American communities are without their natural parents because their parents abandon them, should there be government-funded boarding schools? I'm just doing it as, a, as an example. Right? So, so going back to addressing the racial disparities, uh, in my opinion, not only it is important to have actions taken by the black communities themselves, but also it has to come from external factors from outside factors, including the government, because including the government 
because it's my opinion that government is the culprit of racial oppression in this country. All right. So and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and Amy Wax has said the blacks lack self-directed personal improvement or group cultural reform. That's her word. Self-directed personal improvement, group cultural reform. Therefore, it's not possible to help these black communities. Okay, I again disagree because uh, she did not look outside America. I will give you two examples. Look at the Rwanda in Africa. Rwanda in Africa is becoming they call it the Switzerland of Africa. Rwanda, which I'm going to talk about later, has suffered from genocide in the 90s, which is about 30 years from today. And they quickly recovered. They, the, 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 the Rwandan people, Africans, they actually do have a self-directed personal improvement for their own communities, for their own countries. Okay? If the Africans did it in Africa, how come the Africans in America cannot do it. I'm very sure they can. Another example will be Singapore. Singapore is another multiracial society. Okay, Singapore is another multiracial society, and uh, and 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 it's a quite a peaceful and uh, you know and uh, and uh, and prosperous. Okay, so so my theory is this. My proposition is this, that America remains a colonialistic society from day one. The American democracy is a superficial democracy. There are real remedies for racial wrongs, as demonstrated in Rwanda and in Singapore. But they are not available to the African-Americans and other racial minorities in this country. The Western people, aka the Europeans, in my opinion, have a behavioral trait, culturally speaking, of incapability of peacefully resolving conflict among themselves. What I'm trying to say is this: just remember, the First World War happened in European, in Europe, among European countries. Right? The Second World War is also happened in Europe among European countries. And what happened today in the, between Russia and, uh, and the Ukraine is a prelude maybe to the Third World War. Again, it's in Europe, not in Asia, not in Africa, right? So, so basically what I'm saying is that it seems to me it's the Western people that cannot resolve conflict peacefully. And therefore, they cannot resolve the conflict and the correct racial wrongs that they did to the non-Western people. Okay. And uh, and 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 uh, in regard to to any Wax's remedies for these racial wrongs, this is what I find out. Basically, she's saying the black communities must deal with their own deficits in education, in employment, in the family and the home environment themselves. The blacks cannot be victims forever. 
that's basically what her chapter uh, three, chapter four, and chapter five is saying. Okay, and in chapter six, here Amy Wax again. Remember, she is a legally trained scholar. This is basically her order, which I have said uh, I have cited uh, by her words earlier. Separate liability and remedy. Stop relying on the outsiders and the government. She's telling the black communities. My answer to that is this. What if the government is the criminal in the old racial oppressions in the past? That happened to the, to the, uh, to the non-Western people. Right? And she has said, she, uh, she, again, this is Amy Wax's order to the black people. Accept that justice may not be achievable. Forget about the racial justice. It doesn't work. To that, I'm going to, uh, you know, respond. Say, then why you even bother to write this book about the legal remedies for the racial wrongs, right? Is just trying to brainwash non-Western people, saying forget about it. What happened happened, right? So you know, and then you know, she, and number three, she will say avoid the trap of a sociological thinking. She's saying you have to think legally. Here I am thinking legally. In countering what Amy Wax is saying. Legally speaking, racial oppression is an organized crime by a white majoritarian government. It's no accident what happened. It's not a car accident, as Amy Wax wanted all of us to believe. Okay? So, you know, and the rest of her remedies, remember, she listed 11 different remedies. Shift the focus from structure to culture, change the rhetoric, criticize the failure and emulate success, resist open-ended demand. This is all her words. Stop operating in two tracks. Avoid dwelling on the past. This is my favorite. Thinking straight about blaming the victim. All the remedies that uh, Amy Wax offered, this sounds like a, more of like a rapist. Telling the victim to move on. Okay, a rapist will say, "Well, it's it's her fault to be so sexually attractive. That's why I had sex with her." Whether she say yes or no. Okay, but basically, you know, Amy Wax saying, "Avoid dwelling on the past. Move on." And she also sounds like a pedophile would say. What happened if a pedophile sexually molested a, a, a minor, a a a a a a, a, a child? He he mostly he or she will say, "Well, the act is out of a loving affection, right?" And what happened really was an accident, right? It's out of some misunderstanding between the victim and the per per perpetrator, and that is exactly what Amy Wax. Is prescribing to the public. So that, in a nutshell, is what I have read, what I came up after reading, uh, you know, her book, which is published in 2009. So now I'm going to talk about the uh, this uh, next segment. It's about my counterarguments to Amy Wax's recent racist rants. 
All right, so uh, I don't have to repeat. You can just Google her on YouTube, on internet. She used the word shithole countries. Basically, she's saying the Asian Indians, the Indian people from India are from shithole country. They should go back. Because remember, what Amy Wax saying, America will be better off with fewer Asians. Okay? So, so, so my thing is this, because the Tucker Carlson, where Amy Wax showed up, has a quite a few intellectual allies of Asian Indian heritage, meaning Tucker Carlson has a, quite a few friends and allies who support Tucker Carlson. They are from India originally. Should these people go back to their shithole country? And second is this. Are Chinese, are the Chinese Americans from a shithole country too? If blacks should be, if the blacks should be partially blamed for their status of, you know, for, for, for their, for the, for, for the, you know, group disadvantage they're in, you know, because of the wrongs done by the, by the whites, by the Western people. Should the white people today blame themselves also for the same social decay instead of blaming the Chinese? Because as I said earlier, Trump is the one who called Mexicans murderers and who called the Chinese the economic rapists. Okay, it is a lot of a social decay among white communities. Think about the drug overdose deaths. Majority of the drug overdose deaths are whites. There's a breakup of a family, lower achievement in education, employment among whites also. So, you know, also there's a low uh, white birth rates recently. Shall we blame white people themselves saying you are on your own? So, so this is another counter argument to Amy Wax's recent racist rants. Right? And then, you know, talking about the oversized achievement, I find out this to be fascinating is that Every time a white privileges, a people with a high intellect, like the like this Jordan Peterson and the Amy Wax, when they propose something, they don't apply the same theory to themselves, the Western people. Okay? Because, uh, you know, I mean, talking about the overachievement, oversized achievement, this is the uh, term that the Amy Wax used. Are the Vietnamese people who beat it, uh, the, you know, militarily superior French armies and the American troops in Vietnam. Are these people with a super oversized achievement? Also, is a slavery an oversized achievement by the Western people? And, uh, you know, if the blacks lack self-helping capability, uh, uh, as uh, Amy Wax alleged, and 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 if the blacks are being jealous of the oversized achievement of the Western people, then what about the Asians? 
Well, I thought the Asians are being called the model immigrants. Right? Have these Asian immigrants obtained achievements so oversized that they should be sent back to their shitholes countries? So you see the, the Amy Wax here, among her most recent racist rants, has a, two different standards. One standard she wants to apply to the black communities, meaning you have to help yourself. The government will not help you anymore because you cannot improve yourself with all the money you received. That's one standard. The second standard is that with all the achievement by the Asian Americans, especially in her words, a lot of medical doctors in the University of Pennsylvania health systems, a lot of Asian Indian doctors, they have obtained oversized achievement. Like what the, the Western people did. But at the same time, Amy Wax would like to send them back to their shithole country. That is the second standard. So, see, the white privileges always have a dubious standards that they will use their discretion to apply to non-Western people because they really feel like they are culturally, morally superior than the non-Western people. So, with that said, I'm going to conclude. The conclusion I have is this. The hopes are on the horizon, while evils still exist in America. You know, uh, let me talk about the hopes first. You know, talking about being culturally inferior, as Amy Wax alleged, Rwanda, this African country, is becoming the Switzerland of Africa. Just after a recent the, uh, thing called the, the Rwanda genocide, you can Google about it, where the, uh, in which the Hutu extremists killed an estimated 500,000 to 1 million Tutsi in the span of 100 days. This is a major racial wrong that happened in Rwanda, a small African country. But guess what happened? That African nation recovered. They're doing well these days. Okay? So don't blame the black people that they are culturally inferior. They cannot help themselves. And also in Singapore, as we know, it's called the, Singapore is called the Switzerland of Asia. Okay? The, 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 the founding premier of Singapore, I think his name is Lee Kong Yu. He has a very good vision because uh, Singapore is also a multiracial society. And this uh, Lee Kong Yu, he's widely respected by the Western countries and uh, Western government and non-Western government. He foresee the racial tension and he remediated the potential racial tension from the get-go. Specifically, in Singapore, 70% of the population are Chinese. So Lee Kong Yu decided at the founding of Singapore that the official language of the Singapore is not going to be Chinese. It's going to be English because he said by doing so, he can avoid possible racial tensions. Another example of hope is Vietnam. 
Vietnam is a peaceful and a prosperous country. Guess how many ethnicities a small country like Vietnam has? It has over 50 different ethnic groups. Have you heard anything about the racial ethnic killing in Vietnam in such a small country with 50, I think it's 55 or 56 ethnic groups? Let's use a country that's more comparable to America. That is China. China is very large. Like Vietnam, China has 56 ethnic groups. America has only five major ethnic groups. The whites, the blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and natives. How many interracial killings has happened recently? Mass shootings happened recently. So my point is this. Even though in America, the law never worked, because the courts always sided with the white majority. But outside America, we see hopes, because there are countries who are multiracial, who suffered profound racial wrong, but they did recover from those racial wrongs. Okay, just unfortunately, evils in this country are those white privilege deniers. The white privilege deniers is like a Holocaust deniers. They look the other way when the historic records are indestructible right in front of them. You know, white, the white privilege deniers, they are just various forms of uh, cover-ups of a collective white crime. That's just a fact. A crime did happen. Racial oppression, genocide of Native Americans, slavery. These are collective crimes. The government is criminal. The cover-up is worse than the crime itself by denying the white privilege. Right? To, the, to these white privilege deniers, there are four symbols and landmarks in real estate term in America that, that they cannot ever deny. Okay? So because I was in a, another show on Colin the other day, which I said this. There's a four symbols in America that is the proof of white privilege and no one else can deny it. No one, white, black, whoever. First, reservation, reservations. Second, plantations. Third, internment camps. Four, non-state U.S. territories. Reservations is for non-Western people called the Native Americans. Plantations is for non-Western people, it's for slaves. Internment camps are for non-Western people, Japanese Americans. Non-state U.S. territories is for Hispanics, namely Puerto Ricos, Puerto Ricans, right? These four symbols and landmarks, they all have a very specific boundaries. They have a borders, designate them to be the reservation, to be the plantation, to be the internment camps, to be the non-state U.S. territories. These are boundaries are set for the non-Western people. No white people, no, non-West, uh, no Western people has ever subject to this kind of restrictions of their liberty, of their freedom. 
these symbols are set. Not it's not just more about white people because I don't want any white person to feel bad about being white. There's nothing wrong to be a white person. Period. The fact that these American symbols are set by the American government, by our government, these are not cultural restrictions against the non-Western people. Okay, these are legal restrictions set by the government to the non-Western people. They are set so that the Western people have the liberty and freedom to obtain, as Amy West called, oversized achievement. These symbols are not accidents. They are scenes of a collective crimes. No one can erase these landmarks of white privilege. These are landmarks of white privilege, meaning that these landmarks is only for non-Western people. Not even Jordan Peterson or Amy Wax, two highly intelligent human beings, can deny that because these are landmarks. They're there. Amy Wax and Jordan Peterson are the living proof that white supremacy still exists in America, and the white privilege remains a discretionary power by the white majoritarian government to allow the Western people to overachieve. At the expense of racial minorities, there's a difference between this Jordan Peterson, again he's very popular on YouTube, and Amy Wax. There's a difference between these two. Peterson is more on the defense when it comes to white privilege. Peterson is a psychologist. His his role is more of a you know he's playing a comforting uh, role. For you know, maybe certain white people is、uh, getting very uncomfortable when the the topics of a white privilege is being discussed. So, so Peterson plays a role of、uh, you know providing some emotional support, although his argument is 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 not that great. It's weak.、Uh, Amy Wax is different. Amy Wax again. This per this woman is highly smart. Just Google her. He is always. She's always on the offense. She's always attacking. It's 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 a it's documented by her own book on race, wrongs, and remedies that I have just gone over. Her recent open rant and rhetorics about the non-white people is just another example. She's on the attack. And so, so remember that historically. The white supremacists always attack first. Okay, Adolf Hitler attacked Europe to his west, and then Russia to his east. Adolf Hitler attacked first. Robert Lee, the Confederate Army during the American Civil War, attacked the North first. Okay, Robert Lee's major military campaigns were in Maryland and Pennsylvania. Gettys,、uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. That's not his home state of Virginia. He's not Robert Lee. Is not sitting in Virginia waiting for the North to attack him. He no. He he came up to the North to attack the free states. And the Empire of Japan attacked the United States first. They dropped the bomb in Hawaii first. So you know. So so Amy Wax is a、uh, is always on the offense. She attacks. So her book, the good news is, 
really proved my theory of judicial white privilege, meaning this highly educated in law, this highly educated person in law can come up with this kind of rubbish saying that oh, racial oppression, slavery, which is all sanctioned by the law, by the American law, uh, act, it's accident. The white elite in a white majoritarian government always think for themselves in the multiracial America. That's not an accident. The English law imported from the single race, England, never worked in America. So if a Professor Tribe's conclusion on the US Supreme Court, having a history of helping the powerful, if, if a Professor Lawrence Tribe's conclusion is correct, which I do believe is correct, I'm going to further state that American court has always operated under the principle and the belief that the Western people are a superior group than the non-Western peoples, right? The judges are whites and the judges are the Western people. The courts do not know how to remediate the racial wrongs in the past. Because simply because the courts itself, the courts themselves created the racial wrongs to begin with. You know, it is the judicial white privilege that empower, empowers the oversized achievement by these Western peoples at the expense of the non-Western people. So that in a nutshell is what I want to say today. And uh, so I'm going to unmute L just in case uh, he or she has something to say. Uh, I never tried this, and forgive me if I made a uh, made a mistake. But that's pretty much what I want to say. So, uh, Al, hold on a second. Let me try to unmute you. Okay, Al, can you try to unmute yourself? Yes, I was able to unmute it. Um, when I didn't do any research on her book, when was it written, and when was it published? It's published in 2009, and uh, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's available in the local library. This is where I got it from. Is she, is she still teaching at the University of Pennsylvania? Yes, because of her, again, she's getting famous recently because of this, her rents. And the, the, my understanding is that the University of Pennsylvania is considering revoking her tenure, meaning that, you know, she 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 may she may lose her tenure, but like I said, judges, as you probably know, Al, that judges they have a lifetime appointment, right? The judge will never be fired, right? It's like this a law professor; she has tenure, she will never be fired for say stuff like that, right? So, but go ahead, yes, she she still it's teaches. Been that lose their tenure, but it's over different subjects, so it'd be interesting. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Norman Finkelstein had lost his tenure. Okay. So, you okay. know, professors have lost their tenure, but whether or not she will lose it, it'll be very interesting to see the outcome. Yes, I'm very conflicted on, on, on this. Oh, by the way, I don't even know how to see whether there's a caller or not on this app. Again, I'm very new, but I appreciate you, you, you jumping. So going back to this, I, I know there's a First Amendment issue here, right? So I'm very conflicted in whether she should 
her tenure should be taken away. Because in a lot of senses, I actually encourage these white privilege deniers to come up to say stuff like that. Because that's the evidence of the racial oppression. Because they are repeating what the founding fathers said in the past. You know, the founding fathers said awful, awful things, right? So it's good for these, you know, people, you know, most of them are white, that to repeat what the founding fathers said. So that in, from that regard, I actually, you know, like the fact that she, 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 she said it, you know. Well, your next meeting could be of how many professors have lost their tenure in regard to their research or the way they are in a spoken or in written form. You can, you know, there's been a lot of professors that have lost their tenure. Oh, yeah. I, I, again, I'm sympathetic because I truly believe a first amendment. I do believe America is the freest country. I criticize the government not because, uh, I don't love this country. I truly, deeply love this country and the Constitution. But going back to what you just said is this. I'm using a pseudo name here doing this show because uh, I'm a Chinese-American. Now, if any, I work, uh, my boss are white. You can imagine if uh, I, they know my true identity and knowing what I'm doing here, my employment can be in jeopardy too, right? Exactly. So, so I mean, again, I this is another First Amendment issue, right? So, I actually do uh, believe in First Amendment, and uh, I'm not going to take away Amy Wax's rights to say whatever she wants to say. I used to say that I would like uh, the Ku Klux Klan better if they take their mask off, so we can see their faces, right? So, you know, and uh, you know, and uh, but like I said, I I appreciate you know. Uh, let me, you know, I'm going to experiment this. I appreciate you guys are listening. I'm going to uh, pick up Lindsay and see whether she can talk. Lindsay, unmute yourself. If, you know, just for my sake, I want to technically experiment this. Okay. Lindsay is not able to do that, but let me see who else. The aura. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that actually, yeah, that is, uh, oh, I want to say, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I cannot, either Lindsay cannot unmute herself or I cannot do anything about it. So, but that's pretty much it about you, Al. I want to appreciate you joining me. And, uh, and, uh, yes, if you want to talk about this uh, first amendment, uh, I, uh, this is, uh, uh, what I say, because this book is, uh, will talk a lot about the constitutional rights of a person. Okay, and try to compare the same rights when it comes to racial minorities, what the court did. So, in an exa uh, example, will be this: not, not a lot of people knows about the Third Amendment. The Third Amendment is about the government's taking of your house to house the military people. Okay, not a lot of people talk about it because it's one of the foundational principle 
of this country because the British armies back then during the independence war take uh, civilians housing uh, to, to sleep in and uh, you know the founding fathers were, were upset. However, during the 1940s, uh, during the Japanese internment camp, the U.S. government basically take away their houses and the business for for military purposes. And at the same time, off Alaska, in a place called the Illusion Island, the U.S. military literally take over the homes of those uh, 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 uh native people of those islands. These are American uh, U.S. territories. These are, you know, belongs to Alaska and all that. And uh, nobody talks about that. So what, what I'm trying to say is that I do believe in First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth and all that. The, the, the interesting part is that when a racial minority try to assert that rights and privilege in front of the court, the court would deny such rights and privilege. So, so that's why I call this a judicial white privilege, meaning that that's the gatekeeper of all white privileges. If the court allow white privilege, then white privilege is okay. So, so with that, I'm going to end today's show. Once again, thank you everyone to listening today and, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, more will listening uh, in the future. Have a, Great rest of your weekend, and uh, I will see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.